Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa la'aqibatu lil-mutaqeena wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen, wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma jaltaw sahla, wa anta tajlul hazna idha shayta sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya Rabbil Kareem, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So it's uh, always good to be back uh, home. It's like home, actually, alhamdulillah. Logical progression, if it's ever taught in Toronto, we feel very comfortable uh, bringing it here. We want to thank uh, Dr. Idris and uh, uh, Imran and all of the sisters and everybody that, uh, and Zaid, of course, all the team that ensure that this goes ahead with the ihsan that I like. I'm so impressed with the team here always. I'm so impressed with the activities here always. And it's the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a chapter is, or we've arrived at a sentence, subhanAllah, which gives us the opportunity to explain this entire sentence, which is about the, the, the prayer of the woman, and of course it was never planned like that, and suddenly it just happens that that uh, chapter comes in an institute which of course does such a great job with teaching our sisters. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So, uh, and it's also nice to be with our Canadian students, of course, Solange is our regular student. It's nice to be somewhere around the right time zone of Mesa, who's online, yani, you know, a bit be easier for her as well. She says that the sound is great. That's because it's my phone, Mesa, and nothing to do with Shazad Salim. Whenever Shazad Salim's involved, it's going to be a disaster, isn't it? Yeah? Don't tell Shazad that. Right, so, um, what we're going to do, so I'm actually trying to, uh, I'm following the comments here online so that I can maintain uh, a connection there. And I'm also going to try and look at the uh, okay study material. Righty ho, Zad al Mustaqni. Excellent. This is great. This is great not having to depend upon Shazad Salim. Isn't it Shazad Salim? Right. So here's the here's the thing. Right. I am going to read out, especially for the the, the folks here who have not picked up Zad al Mustaqni before, don't know what the lesson's about. Um, to give you a little bit of context about what the sentence is going to be that we're going to cover today. And this will be useful for everybody at home as well. Um, because, you know, it's a review of the prayer. So why not? Probably many of you have probably haven't heard this, actually. All right, listen carefully, okay? I'm going to read out the entirety, the entirety of this text. Imam al-Hajjawi, alayhi rahmatullah, who is the Hanbali Imam who wrote this little text called Zad al-Mustaqni' on Hanbali Fiqh, a primer from beginning to end on Islamic law. He said in the chapter of the description of the prayer, he, and that's the common system, whenever we're talking about Fiqh, the male third person is always used. He then says, Allahu Akbar. Raising his hands to the height of his shoulders with his fingers took together, but outstretched. So outstretched, but together, not like that. Just like when in prostration. The Imam should make that sound, Allahu Akbar, audible to everyone behind him, just like he does with the recitation in the first two raka'ah of every prayer other than Dhuhr and Asr. Anyone else should, should recite so that it is audible to that person alone. This is a humbly position, of course. Right? This is not necessarily our class position or what we've studied. This is the humbly fiqh position. He then grabs his left wrist under his navel, and looks at his place of prostration and says, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka wa ta'ala jadduka wa la ilaha ghayruk. 
translated as you are transcendent above all, Ya Allah, and praise is due to you. Blessed is your name, exalted is your majesty, and there is nothing worthy of worship except you. Then he seeks refuge by making isti'adha. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Then he recites the basmala. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Silently. Although it is not from the Fatiha. And then he recites the Fatiha. If it is interrupted, the Fatiha, by a long, non-legislated form of dhikr or period of silence, or if a shadda or a letter is missed out or the order is not maintained, everyone must repeat it other than the follower. Follower, we are praying behind the imam in a jama'ah. Because this text is referring to all people to take what they want from it. For the imam, the follower, the one praying alone. So it's a general text. Everybody should then say ameen out loud in the loud prayers. And then recite a chapter from the longer mufassal of the Quran. In the dawn prayer, fajr prayer. From the shorter mufassal surahs in the sunset prayer. And from the moderate length mufassal in the rest of the prayers. The prayer is invalidated by reciting from other than the Mus'haf of Uthman. Then he bows whilst uttering the takbir and raising his hands. And then he places them on his knees with his fingers spaced out and his back level. He says, Subhana Rabbil Azim, transcendent above all is my Lord, the Almighty. Then he stands up straight whilst raising his hands with the Imam and the person who prays alone saying, Samiyallahu liman hamidah. And indeed Allah hears whoever praises him. And then while standing up straight, they say, Rabbana wa lakal hamd. Mil as-sama'i aw mil as-sama'wati wa mil al-ardi wa mil al-ma'ashi'ta min shay'in ba'd. Our Lord, to you is all praise, that which fills the heaven, which fills the earth, and which fills everything that you wish beyond that. The follower, meaning the one who is praying in a jama'ah behind the imam, after rising, they will only say, Rabbana wa lakal hamd. And indeed, to our Lord, to you is all praise. Then, whilst uttering the takbir, he falls, he falls to the floor in prostration onto the seven limbs. His two feet, his two knees, his two hands, and then his forehead whilst including the nose. This can be onto any surface or covering other than the seven limbs themselves, meaning you can't prostrate on your hand or something like this. He lifts his upper arms away from his sides. He lifts his stomach up from the thighs, also while keeping his knees apart. He then says, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, transcendent is my Lord the Most High. Then he lifts his head whilst uttering the takbir, Allahu Akbar, and sits muftarishan. That means he sits on his left foot flat, right foot up. Muftarishan, left foot whilst his right foot is upright, he then says, Rabbi Ghfirli. My Lord, forgive me. He then prostrates again like the first time. Then he stands up off the balls of his feet, meaning straight up off his feet, whilst uttering the takbir, depending only upon his knees if possible, trying to avoid any leaning on anything on the floor. He then prays the second unit like the first one, except this time there is no tahrima, Allahu Akbar, the takbir to the ihram. There is no istiftah, subhanakallahumma bihamdik, sana as we call it, yeah. There's no ta'awwud, no awud bilam there's no renewing of the intention. Then he sits muftarishan, 
like I said, left foot flat, right foot up, with his two hands on his thighs, clenching up the little finger and the ring finger of the right hand, whilst creating a circle with his thumb and the middle finger and pointing with his index finger. So this is called up, this is the circle, this is the pointing finger, and pointing with that index finger during his tashahud, which is the position I'm sitting in now. The left hand is kept flat. And he says, Tahiyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibatu Assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin Ashadu an la ilaha illallah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abuduhu wa rasul All praise and greetings, prayers and goodness are for Allah May peace be upon you, O Prophet And the mercy and blessings of Allah May peace be upon us and upon the righteous servants of Allah. I bear witness that there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his servant and messenger. And that is the first tashahud. Then he says, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. Kama sallayta ala ali Ibrahim, innaka hamidun majid. Wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. Kama barakta ala ali Ibrahim, innaka hamidun majid. O Allah, send your salah upon Muhammad and upon the followers of Muhammad as you have sent upon the followers of Ibrahim and indeed you are the praised and the glorified. And send your blessings upon Muhammad and upon the followers of Muhammad as you have sent your blessings upon the followers of Ibrahim and, in, and indeed you are the praised, the glorified. Then he seeks refuge from the punishment of hell and the punishment of the grave and the punishment of life and the punishment of death and the punishment of the false messiah, supplicating with that which is narrated. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min a'adhaab al-qabri, wa min a'adhaab jahannam, wa min a'adhaab fitnati al-mahya wal-mamat, wa min a'adhaab sharra fitnati al-masih al-dajjal. Then he makes any dua, Rabbana atina fi dunya, Rabbi ja'al al-mukimu salati, Allahumma inni sa'alaku jannah, everything. Then he sends salam to his right, saying, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, may the peace and mercy of Allah be upon you, then to his left as well. If it is a three-unit, or four units prayer, he stands back up whilst uttering Allahu Akbar after the first tashahud. Abuduhu wa rasulu. Then he stands up. If it's a three or four. And he prays the remainder of the third or the fourth like he did in the second unit. Except that it is the Fatiha alone. No surah in the sec in the, after the Fatiha. He then sits in the three and four unit prayer mutawarrikan where the left foot comes underneath the body, underneath the right side, right part of the leg, and then we described that last week. Here's the money shot. Women pray the same way except that they collect in their bodies towards themselves and they slide their feet underneath to the right when sitting. And that is the end of the chapter. What I've just read, felt like I recited, uh, what I just read, I think we have been covering for the last two years. You've just done it in three minutes. Ungrateful people, you lot are. No dua, no salam, no shukr, nothing. You saved two and a half years there, maybe, or three years. I don't, in fact, I don't even know how long. All right? But I want you to understand that, um, that obviously, if I'm saying to you that what I just read in three minutes, We've, we've been studying for two and a half years. Don't ask me questions now, okay? But what does that mean? What does that mean? Go back, 
sign on, it's all free. Not US dollars, not Canadian dollars, not pounds, nothing. Just go on to logicalprogression.org, you'll go to study material. If you haven't got the patience to watch it all, then watch the summary, which is an hour summary at the end of each year. If you haven't got the patience for that, listen to the podcast when you're driving on the 401, world's worst road in the human history of roads. Or if you don't have the patience for that, then you have all the text written out by Mesa and her team, fully transcribed. Brum, you can go through that in one or two hours. You've caught up. Great. Okay? So that's, that's for that. Today's lesson is about this ending. All right? Today's lesson is about this statement about what he says that the man is like the woman, or the woman is like the man, except, except, except. A quick important note, okay? Now that you're up to date, you need to know something just in, get, just in case you're feeling stressed. Number one, this is the position of the Hanbali school alone. This is not the position of the Hanafi school, or my school, or Dr. Idris's school, or the Maliki's, or the contemporary scholars. And we have many differences with them on this. But as everybody knows who've been studying logical progression, our way is to take a matan, a text of, the, of a school of fiqh, and we discuss it. And we say, that's their opinion, this is our opinion, this is why we support their opinion, this is why we support our opinion. So now what you've heard might not necessarily be what you practice, and that's okay, number one. Number two, you might also be feeling a bit sweating, yani, what's going on? Allah Muhammad Muhammad is different, Durud Sharif was different like the way that they said. That's because the Durood Sharif has been narrated in a number of different ways. That's because the Dua in Salah has been narrated in a number of different ways, all authentically. So don't also get worried about that too. Let's jump straight into our text. And the woman is exactly the same. Except da 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 da. We're going to come to the changes in a minute. I want to discuss what is actually this whole يعني, concept of men and women being the same. Is this uh, a principle that we accept, for example, in our Sharia? Is it something which uh, has certain applications? Has the author got it right? Because I can tell you that we're going to differ with this author heavily in what he says. But do we differ with him on this opening statement? That the man or the woman is like the man. What's our asl? Our men and women, if I say our men and women different in Islam, what's the answer? Yes? No? Allah knows. Allah knows. You're, you're, you're reminding me of the LGBTQPXYZ debate. Don't leave that to Allah knows because we need to know that. Because when we say we don't know, then they'll start making a bathroom for us where they say both of us use it. I think that's what they do in Canada. Gender neutral bathrooms, no? Didn't, didn't, I read on the BBC actually yesterday that one of your feminist uh, activists got, you know, Beaten up or whatever because she was campaigning against the gender neutral bathrooms. You guys are like miles ahead, isn't it? Because mashallah, your, your, your leader is feminist, as he said. Proud feminist. Congratulations to our friend uh, Mr. Trudeau. I am very happy, but not happy with this idea, but yeah, and we're still very happy that he's back. But you understand that it is important to answer these what seem like a very obvious question, but in a correct way. Obviously, the answer is we're different. But how would you answer that question? As a Muslim, and more important, not as a Muslim, but as a student of knowledge, what's the answer to the question? Salam. I think it's something about, it's not about the level of reward. Okay, so you've gone too far. So rewind and answer the asl of, oh no, answer the, oh, I don't want to say the more important part, but the key part first, before we start speaking into that. How should a student of knowledge answer the question? And I, when I say student knowledge, I'm not even talking PR kind of angle or PR hat or worried about what the kuffar are going to say or whatever. 
as a Muslim actually, and especially as a student of knowledge, how do we, how do we uh, answer this question? What do you think? Sorry? And the male is not like the female is just stating a fact, really, isn't it? But what I'm saying is that what is like is this ayah for example al itlaq? And what I'm what I want what I want to try and say is that when it comes to rulings, we're not talking biological because biologically there doesn't need to be a discussion. Of course, men and women are different, which is why we find the whole LGBTQ blah 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 debate so ridiculous, right? Not because we are protective of Islamic identity, because it goes against what is observable, obvious science and reality and everything. It's just obvious, right? In any case, so we're not talking about the biology, we're talking about the issue of rulings. So when it comes to rulings, how should we respond? Excellent. That's how a student of knowledge answers this question legally. That the asal, the status quo is that men and women are absolutely equal when it comes to everything until an evidence indicates otherwise. Same instead of equal. Same? Yeah, and from a political language point of view? Yeah, probably. Actually, you're probably right. It's probably better to say same rather than to say equal. That the rulings. Uh, apply to men and women the same until an evidence suggests otherwise. So Sheikh Uthameen, this is in the commentary at the bottom of page 217, he says that there is no evidence in the Quran and Sunnah that indicates that rulings should apply differently to men or women. That the status quo, the base position in Islam is that Men and women are the same when it comes to rulings that come upon them. Just like the principle when it comes to men is that all rules of women apply to them equally as well. Until evidence suggests otherwise. So for example, he says, so for example, So whoever slanders, a, you know, it's always a chaste woman, yeah? Like nobody still worked out what a chaste woman actually means, yeah? But it's one of those archaic phrases, right? So whoever slanders a good woman, or we should say a woman who's innocent of what she's being slandered, yeah? Accuses her of something. Everybody knows this is from Al-Mubiqat, this is from the deadly sins, this is from the and, 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 and. And even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in Surah uh, An-Nur, verse 5, verse 4 to 5. So the males who يرمون المحصنات, those chaste women, they are slandered, who accuse them, okay, of impropriety, illegal uh, sexual activity, who accuse them of that. And they do not bring forth their four witnesses to back up what they're saying, that this is what we witnessed against so-and-so lady, okay? Then lash them 80 times. 
ولا تقبل لهم شهادة أبدا I never ever accept the شهادة the witnessing or the testimony from them ever again وأولئك هم الفاسقون because indeed they are the evil ones and so this ayah is super clear it's about women but people actually forget that this is applied to men as well just because the ayah is speaking about women being those that are accused and that men are the ones that are doing it and indeed as as Nabi said in the destructive sins these, this, if, you, if I try to translate this and the slander of al-muhsanat al-ghafilat al-mu'minat only God knows I'm going to translate that but al-muhsanat means يعني, good women ghafilat meaning unaware or innocent or يعني, it's, it's all kinds of problems al-ghafilat al-mu'minat female believers so the ayah is very clear three emphasis upon the feminine form of the three words but the hadith does not refer just to women. Then when it does that to a man, in actual fact, interesting fact for you, that in my studies or in my life of traveling, I have, uh, obviously, Islam is not established anywhere, but in Saudi, they do some kind of qada. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, they do some kind of... Uh, what? Judging. What's the... Uh, I forgot what qada means. You know when you go to the judge to get a ruling or something, right? Verdicts, yeah? That, you know, actual in a legal court, see verdicts being given out. So I've only ever witnessed it once in my own life, يعني. and it was a man. Meaning it was the qadhf against a scholar, and it was in Medina. And uh, in those days, is you know, what we call the madkhalis, يعني, you know, old school kind of... Uh, uh, kind of like an extreme kind of sect And um, They just consistently Were attacking this miskin sheikh yani, In the haram And he said, I had, he said I had enough Enough of this nonsense So he took him to the mahkamah basically And he raised the, the case Of slander Okay Now not actually slander Of a, a sexual pro, uh, nature But just actual slander And impropriety and whatever And he won and that guy, the other one, the one who was the student of so-and-so, whatever, whatnot, was lashed for it. Yeah, I remember that. So I just want you to know, but obviously mentally when we think about it, we're thinking only of, of it women. Now, there's a reason for that. You might say, well, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do that? Because it damages a woman far more than a man. And it's more common from men to, to a woman than it is the other way around. And that's why women are always needed to be protected. Right? We always get that indication, you know. When you see certain special groups... Special interest groups, you know, like we think today, special in interest groups are ethnic minorities, for example, yeah, and the indigenous population. I think they get special taxation, special protection, right? So this concept of special protection, what's the, what's the politically correct term for that? What do you call groups like that? Special protection groups? Like in England, we call them BAME, which I think is Black and Min Minority Ethnic or something. I forgot what BAME is. But... Um, but what I want you to know is Islam has the same. Who can tell me the, the special interest groups in Islam? Women. Who? Orphans. Slaves. I would say that's probably about it. 
I mean, we can, yani, from a, you know, if we're sitting in front of non-Muslims, we can add all kinds of stuff, yani, from a general point of view. We can say, you know, the world and the week and all this, blah, whatever. But I mean, from an ilmi point of view, if you look, if we were to make the criteria, a group of people which the Prophet ﷺ repeatedly speaks about and repeatedly emphasizes, yani, their, their uh, status and, you know, uh, uh, you know, like for example, when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "Assalaa, Assalaa, wa ma malakat aymanukum," and that's when he's dying, right? So it's like his final legacy, his final advice: Please protect your prayer, protect your prayer. It's gonna go, it's gonna go. Protect your prayer and those that your right hands possess. And he would say the same about women, and he would say the same about orphans. He would also uh, another interest group is uh, uh, divorced girls, divorced women. All right, because in that culture, taking back a woman, and especially if she has children. Major problem. Society, dishonor, bestie, all that kind of stuff. And so, you would have thought that it's enough for a man to say, I've got to look after my daughter. But it's not enough in a tribal, honor-based system. So, and Nabi Wasallam basically wants to give a little help to the father. And so we have another of a number of hadith that you will find, which are sahih. None of them have reached the highest level of authenticity. Like Bukhari, for example, never took it into his sahihain. But as far as I know, but he took it into Al Adab al Mufrad, for example. You'll find it in the minor books of hadith, but they are authentic, inshallah. And Nabi promised Jannah for the one who looks after and feeds and clothes the one who is returned back to him with their children. So Jannah is being given the compensation. So they're being encouraged if they feel pressure to not take a lady in or take his daughter in. And I know that might sound really strange to you, okay? But that's the same as not judging people for the way that they used to think about women. You can't judge people the same. Like, there's nobody here that can possibly imagine killing their daughter if you just had given birth to a daughter, right? But you know that used to happen. It's not good enough for you to say, ah, oh, horrific dogs, Yanni, it's not possible. Have you been, that happens today. That happens today in this world right now. And which kind of societies? It's not the kind of societies where you get social welfare. Yeah, and if you have a girl, it makes no impact upon you whatsoever. You still get the same handout. But if you live in a little village in the middle of nowhere and the only source of your future and everything is a boy who's going to go out and make yeah, the, the money for you, a girl is a disaster. It's a catastrophe. It could lead you to, to starve. Because you can see that she's not going to be... In actual fact, we know that she, we're dependent upon her to take the next... The, the, our our family, our tribe forward, or our culture forward, so I have to give her very young, 12, 13, to another family. So not only did she not make me anything, but she's gone out of my family as well. So it is a disaster. I want you to understand mindset. So just like, even though it's unacceptable, but you understand where they're coming from. And so likewise, um, anyway, so the point is that the, uh, the wider point I, w- I want to make is uh, uh, that women are a special interest group and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has their backs and that's why you know we don't have a chapter called the men okay but we have a chapter called the women we don't have yani uh, we have a lot of emphasis and a lot of repetition upon the rights of women in certain ways and certain times and places and this is you know not to necessarily put them down or to whatever but recognizing that they are susceptible to be abused as are more susceptible need yani to be given extra protection etc Alright, so as Sheikh says, فَالْأَصْلُ أَيْشْتِرَاقُ الْمُكَلَّفِينَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ وَالنِّسَاءِ فِي الْأَحْكَامِ إِلَّا مَا قَامَ دَلِيلُ عَلَيْهِ So again, we repeat the basic principle. Men and women are exactly the same. 
in, when it comes to rulings unless an evidence suggests elsewise. Anything you can think of? Let me enjoy my tea. Shazad Salim, have you ever made me tea? You useless paggy. Never. Shazad Salim, nine years, eight years, he's sitting there recording, recording, this, that. Never he gave me tea. Not even half a cup, let alone a full cup. Yeah. What, what are the differences? All Shazad Salim is, what he does is that he eats the sweets that people bring for the class. He did get pizza, he did. No, no, of course. Last week, mashallah, they bought pizza. And even Shazad Salim got pizza as well. Just in case. He did, yeah. Eat a, eat a frozen pizza because it yani, developed desire to eat pizza. You see this? The power of the, the class. Subliminal yani, messaging to everyone watching. Allahu Akbar. Come on, give me, some evidence, give me some examples of things that are different between men and women in terms of rulings. Inheritance. And it would be the same, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, well, this, yani, you know, that they get half, and they get a different part, and they go to a thumun, and they get to rubber. So they are clear, the text in the Quran indicates. Another example? In what? Divorce, yeah. Divorce as well. Specific rulings, specific time periods that are to be held. Yep. In witnessing, in certain areas that are the same. This is very good. In actual fact, why witnessing is a very good example. Because when scholars uh, are often trying to work out how to respond to this in a non-Western you know, concept, how it's not the same, uh, uh, those who maybe don't understand this principle can't even give a, give a good answer or a complete answer. So those who understand this principle say that if you think that it's only uh, double the witnesses of the, of the man, this is not al-itlaq. This is not in every single scenario, in every single situation because of this principle. That the asl in sharia is that men and women are the same. Except when an evidence indicates elsewise. They would think, some scholars, that the, the evidence which suggests otherwise is in all witnessing. There's no evidence for that. It, we would say that the only you apply different numbers in specific cases of witnessing. Such as in the ayah of the, a, a dain, yeah, where it is indicating the writing of the contract. It's been a specific one. Whatever we can think of reasons are... You know, because they don't get used to it. It's not what their day-to-day job is. Blah blah blah. And you know, therefore, we need a, someone else to add as the guarantee for the first one. But that's not the case in, for example, marital issues. That's not the case in normal court system, for example. That's not the case in X, Y, and Z. Why? Because of the principle that we're talking about now, which is that they are the same in principle until evidence suggests otherwise. Okay, Li'an, very good. We just made a point in Li'an as well, which is the. Uh, uh, the swearing against uh, uh, one another in the issue of uh, 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 an accusation of husband and wife. And what the Sheikh gives uh, is some good example. He goes, um, So for example, leadership position of the state. We're talking about president. So in the Sharia, this is not acceptable. You know that there's a lot of discussion about this in modern times, okay? Is it possible for there to be a woman leader? Hadith on this is clear. Hadith Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said that never will a nation be successful when it takes a woman for a leader. And you will have seen many modern interpretations of this. Ah, oh, this was a specific response to a tribe. Ah, oh, this was yani, the Prophet ﷺ yani, indicating not lack of permissibility but lack of success, whatever that means, okay? And, 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 and you know what? Whatever scholars want to interpret it, let them interpret it. The vast majority, you can say even ijma' from the early time. Not so ijma' of modern times, but we don't use the modern time ijma' as a legal tool.
tool, ijma'a, consensus, when it's a legal tool, like Quran, Sunnah, ijma'a, doesn't mean anything about today. It means the companions, it means the early Muslims, that it's not permissible for a woman to be the leader of a country. And I could sit here and I could argue that, but when you start arguing things rationally, you can always be argued against rationally. So there's no point. You should just be happy with the Sunnah. If you're not happy with the Sunnah, then you're, you, know, you shouldn't be in a class like this. You either accept the authority of the Sunnah or you don't. That's not a cop-out, that's just the case that if you don't accept the authority of the Sunnah, then we have a different discussion and a different, you know, we just sit down and discuss different things. You have bigger problems than whether a woman can lead a country or not, yeah? So, uh, uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm not here to justify that. But uh, some of the scholars, for example, say that she can't be involved in qada, يعني, uh, in, in the position of judgment of hudud, for example. And there is some discussion of the scholars in that. This is something which is specific to men. Another one is, for example, leading the salah. The leading of the salah is something which is almost by consensus. Practically, it's consensus. But I say almost because we have some tabi'een, nothing from the companions, by the way, but some tabi'een that are suggesting that in certain extreme circumstances, a woman can lead men. And we're talking about men. All right? If we're talking about children, Still the majority of scholars don't like it. Still the majority of scholars prefer a child who is able to recite, of course, to lead the prayer. And if there is no child that can recite or there is no, yani, even an older child that has no ability to recite, then pretty much most of the scholars allow a woman to lead the prayer. And even then, the scholars are differing. Does she lead from the front, like the men do, or does she lead from the back, from where she is, okay, and the boy would be in front, for example, and the girl would be in front, for ex- or the girl would be behind, but the boy would be in front, kid I'm talking about. So there's some discussion, but the point is that they're not the same in, in the imama, it's called imama. Uh, they are, it's not allowed, for example, for a woman to be a khatib. There's an absolute consensus on that. It's not allowed for a woman to be this, 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 this. And all of these this, 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 this needs a specific evidence. Where there is no evidence, they are the same. So for example, we said... The hadith of prohibiting the woman leading the country, that's specific to leading the country. There is nothing to indicate from the Prophet ﷺ that she is not allowed to be a leader. Number one. Number two, the actions of the companions then give us greater clarity when we see the opposite. So then we understand, ah, so this was specific to leading a country or a political entity or the, or the state. Otherwise, she can lead a, uh, she can be a mayor, for example. Why can she be? People would say mayor is the same as leader. No, it's not. I think in Canada they have no legislative power, or they do. They do. You don't have ceremonial mayors. In the UK, I mean, I don't want people to use the London mayor as an example, but in the UK, a mayor is like a ceremonial position. They are seen as the most respected, highest member of that town, but they don't have any any you know responsibility or. Oh, I don't. I don't mean any real kind of legal responsibility, all right, um, or stress or some major political issues or whatever. So she could be a leader of an organization, an institution, a charity, a madrasa, a school, X, Y, and Z. She can be the head of all of these because that's based upon merit. But what is prohibited is the like the president or you know like a benazir, uh, whatever, or uh, what's the Bengali one? What's the what's her name? Uh, fish. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I regret asking you her name. So, so, you know, these kind of people, 
This is impermissible from a Sharia point of view. Okay? But anyway, that's another discussion. Um, and the Sheikh just gives some examples. He goes, for example, she can be the Emir in a group of people as well. So, for example, when you travel somewhere, then it's possible, even in a group of men and women, for a woman to become the Amira. It's a sunnah, of course, in a, in a traveling party for someone to run things, someone to let her make, make the final decision. In any, any, any gathering, actually, there should always be leadership. So it's permissible for that to happen here. All right? In, in this gathering, we could say, right, Solange is the one who decides when we stop, when we do this, when we do that. But that's permissible. When we go out yani, to uh, a trip, or we go on an Umrah, or an X, or a Y, or whatever it is, you can uh, choose. Because there's no evidence to suggest anything otherwise, therefore, the basic ruling is that it's the same. I was discussing with Sheikh Walid um, uh, this morning, okay? And uh, he actually asked me to mention something, which is I've spoken about quite a few times at the end of last year, year seven. Uh, and that is that this principle of the asal being the same, unless an evidence suggests otherwise, is a very important uh, uh, principle to know in the rest of Islam as well. For example, sunnah or nafal and fard. The asal is that they are the same. We don't think of it like that. Okay? That every ruling that we learn from the sunnah or nafal prayers is applied to the obligatory prayers, except if there is an evidence which suggests otherwise. So I'll give you a classic example of that. Sitting down in the prayer. That has been clearly established by the Prophet in nafal, nafal prayers. Yet he never did that or never allowed it in the obligatory prayers unless someone is medically sick. So otherwise, sunnah and obligatory are exactly the same. But when he makes it clear that this is only for sunnah, then in that particular case, we restrict it only to the sunnah. Is that clear? Another example is, you know, the action of a single person becoming an imam. So you're praying in a masjid and someone comes and taps you on the shoulder. You know that whole scenario, right? And they want to pray with you. You get what I'm saying? The Hanafis, they don't like this so much. Okay? The rest of the scholars kind of accept it. Why do they accept it? I'm saying that you are in the masjid praying your asr prayer right now. Okay? By yourself. You missed the jama'ah. First of all, Imran, jazakumullah khair for changing asr. What kind of... You see, you Paggies don't understand. They don't understand. You know, that's the problem. This is a place that changed their time of their asr jama'ah to make space for the circle. Which other place would do that? I don't know where any other place would do that, just in case you give me an answer, yeah? So, if you missed Asr Jama'ah because you didn't see the sign that said that it's changed from 4 to for whatever, what time was it meant to be? 4.30. You sick guy. You sick guy. Made it half hour early. So, let's say you missed it. And then someone else also missed it, and they come and they tap you on the shoulder. Uh, 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 there's khilaf on this because why they said this has never been narrated in the Fard prayer and they're right so why do we do it then? someone should be able to answer that online at least no? why do we do that? why do we allow people to tap people on the shoulder and join them in the prayer? go on Give me an example. Oh, I actually, I, want, I, don't want, I don't want an example, I want the actual evidence. It's a well-known evidence, but people don't think of it. Correct, well done. All right, it's very well established in the Sahih that Abdullah ibn Abbas, when he would wake up and he noticed the Prophet is praying the Qiyamul Layl or the Hajjad, then he would come and stand next to him. Here it's very clear that a man, Prophet is praying as a munfarid, an individual, 
and then he changes his niyyah in the salah, not at the beginning, whilst yani halfway through, to imam. Change of niyyah, actual tangible change of niyyah. Scholars said that this is only in the tahajjud prayer. We say, as the majority do, that anything which is established in a sunnah applies in the obligatory, unless there's an evidence which suggests otherwise. It doesn't. You get what I'm saying, folks? So I want you to know that this principle that we're talking about, that people or things are the same until an evidence dictates elsewise, is a very important and useful one. All right? So the woman, according to this statement, this is correct. Now, of course, the Hanbalis are going to go and take a tangent, which we're going to now disagree with. Because he says, لَكِنْ تَضُمُّ نَفْسَهَا so the author has said that the men and the women, they are exactly the same when it comes to the prayer, except that the woman, تَدُمُّ nafsaha. I have translated تَدُمُّ nafsaha as she gathers herself together. Yeah, she gathers herself together. And I like call this close. She closes herself down. Yeah. And then the sheikh then continues. He then says, وَتَسْدُلُ رِجْلَيْهَا فِي جَانِبِ يَمِينِهَا and she uh, spreads her leg, her feet, uh, to the, her right-hand side. Okay, which I will demonstrate in a second. All right? So, so what is basically the Hanbalis, by the way, and the Hanafis, by the way, and the Malikis, by the way, and the Shafi'is, by the way, all of the Fuqaha. This is their position. So when you look at Yani Islamic history or the the or the time of legislation, you can see yani the Ahlul Hadith, yani those that used to focus more on hadith and evidences, and the fuqaha. Well, I don't want to say don't focus on hadith, but they use a lot of yani al-aql as well, which is not always a bad thing, okay? But sometimes this is where the tension comes. All of the fuqaha in the madahib are upon this position that a woman gathers herself together. And gathering herself together has three main expressions. The Sheikh lists them. He, therefore, he goes, كَمَا فِي حَالِ الرُّقُوعِ وَالسُّجُودِ يُشْرَعُ لِلرَّجُلِ أَمُجَافَاتِ الْعَدُرَيْنِ عَنِ الْجَنْبَيْنِ That for men, it is legislated to keep the arms away from the sides. Woman, she would bring them together. And as for the men, the thighs have to be kept away from the uh, ankles or the 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 the, uh, the legs are like open, and for women it is closed, and the arms in the sajda likewise. So arms in ruku' in arms in sajda in, and body is curled up. Okay, knees are brought together. Everything is closed down. The body goes in lockdown. All right. Sheikh says the evidence. What dalilu ala dalik? Al qawaid al amma fi sharia. فَإِنَّ الْمَرْأَةَ يَنْبَغِي لَهَا أَسَّتَرُ وَضَمُّهَا نَفْسَهَا أَسْتَرُ لَهَا مِمَّا لَوْ جَافَتْ Sheikh Uthameen says that the evidence that the Hanabila used is a basic principle in the Sharia that a woman has to be more careful about her body and she has to consider satar more than a man does and that when a woman closes her body down because of her physiology, which is obvious, yeah, then it becomes more astar, more aura, more, more kind of satar, more, you know. Now, obviously us, we don't have many Arabs here. Any Arab women here? No, all packs. Any Arabs here? No, all packs. Well, you know, I want to 
What I'd like to know, with that is online actually, and Mesa. What I'd like to know with that, Mesa, any of you are Arab students, I want to I ask you from your own cultural backgrounds, from your women, elderly women, do they practice what I'm describing as much as the PACs do? Because the PACs, there is a consensus on this. You will not find any woman praying except that she prays like that. And I want to say to you that other than what the fuqaha have said, which is right here now, we have a cultural thing as well. You know, femininity and masculinity is a representation of ethnic values as well and cultural values as well. Yani, look, woman in the, the Arabs, yani, they had many names to describe women. You know, like yani, terms of tenderness, for example, nice phrases, and sometimes legal phrases. But they never went as far as calling their women awra. Whereas as Pakhs, we literally call them Aurat. Like, we're, for us, yani, our dominant yani, perception of the women is that they are all like Aura. Because what is the word Aura and what, it, what does it mean? It means those parts that cannot be seen. Right? So we just don't want women to be seen anywhere, that's it. So we've written them off completely as Aurat. They are completely Aura. Yani, I want you to know, this is not a Shari phrase. This is a cultural kind of, uh, you know. Now, I don't want to say that, the, uh, uh, by the way, I don't want to say that the Pax have bought this from nowhere, that this does not exist in Islamic culture, and there is such a thing as Islamic culture. Because the Arabs, they, their version of this would be harim. So when you are involved in normal culture, okay, uh, uh, you will see, uh, Arab culture I mean, that they refer to their women as harim. Sacred, you know, harim from haram, which is, you know, sacred, which is prohibited. You know, so they have the same value. I don't want to just say it's the Pax, but there's no doubt that when you see us culturally, we are more conservative than the Arabs are. In general, I mean. In general. Socially more conservative. And, and that comes through. It does come through in fiqh, in practice, and so on. And I just want you to be aware of that. So uh, that's where this idea comes from, that it is more covering. Sheikh Uthameen asked the question. He says, Exclamation mark. He goes, this is what they said in this issue. Can you believe that? And he goes, that our response to this is going to be from a number of angles. Number one. Before I, 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 I go into those responses, just to quickly take some, question, take some points from our online. Uh, Abdul Muhid, I think we're going to be going for another maybe 20 minutes, something like that. Um, and... Yeah, uh, some of the sisters are saying that, uh, that it is less known in their culture, the Arab culture, than it is in the Pakistani kind of Desi type of culture amongst the women uh, as well. So, um, but anyway, we'll come back to these points afterwards. So, Sheikh Uthameen says, I'm going, yes, go ahead. So if that's the case, there's some questions here as well that are going to go back to the beginning. So we'll take that at the end, inshallah. All right. So Sheikh Uthameen says, we're going to respond to these people who say that they need to change the way that they pray because of modesty. We're going to respond in the following way. Number one, this reasoning, this reasoning cannot possibly stand in the face of the evidence. 
The Prophet ﷺ said to all men and women, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Pray like you see me pray. He did not say, and the women pray something different. He did not indicate that. He did not state that. He did not action that. He did not give a demonstration of that. The female companions not been narrated for that. So the evidence is not only not there for them to do it, but it's against actually what they're saying. That's the first response. And it's enough, actually, of a response. It's a general command. That they all pray the same and they copy the Prophet ﷺ. Number two, this concept is immediately refuted by the fact that the woman prays alone much of the time. If she's praying alone, who is she trying to cover from? This doesn't make any sense. Now, Shaykh Uthameen then goes further and he makes a statement, which I will say of course because he's the Shaykh, even though I don't agree with him. He says, وَالْغَالِبُ وَالْمَشْرُوعُ لِلْمَرْعَةِ أَن تُصَلِّ وَحْدَهَا فِي بَيْتِهَا بِدُونِ حَضْرَةَ الرِّجَالِ it is the majority of the time, I wish that he'd stop there, but he then said, and it is legislated that for the woman that she should pray by herself, that she prays by, not should, that she prays by herself alone in her home without the presence of men. And so therefore, why would there be a need for her to do all this covering and kether? So his point is correct. You guys know my personal position. I do not believe that it is legislated for a woman to pray at home. All the hadith which are very famous, you know that a number of the scholars consider them to be authentic, that the best woman, the prayer of the woman is I think all of them are weak, according to my study. But this is a major uh, point of discussion among scholars. Many fuqaha, the majority actually of the fuqaha, they consider this hadith or they acted upon these hadith. The Kibar Muhaddithin do not consider these hadith to be uh, authentic. Later, uh, uh, scholars of hadith, they do consider these hadith to be authentic. And that's why, in our times especially, a number of uh, scholars, you know, they prefer that a woman prays inside the home. Now, let me say something. Despite me saying that I don't think it's legislated, I definitely, I definitely agree that the majority of the time she will pray at home. I definitely believe it's better for her to pray at home. I definitely believe that she's more rewarded if she prays at home, if she does it with the intention of getting the reward of staying at home, either for A, because she might see herself as a fitna, or B, because the Prophet ﷺ yani, criticized those women who do not take extra caution of themselves when they're going outside, whether it comes to keshf or uncovering or satar or perfuming and, 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 and. So there are a number of general evidences which clearly apportion, okay, or ascertain certain roles for men and women. And there's no doubt that men are the people of the outside and women are the people of the inside in general. Yeah? So a woman who says, I'll take one for the team, or I'll look after the kids, or I, she gets the reward of doing that. Which I believe is different from saying it is legislated for her to pray at home. You get my point? But anyway, the point stands. Number two is that she's going to pray on her own. And if she prays on her own, then are you trying to say that she only does all this behavior when it's in public? And if that's the case, what's your evidence for that? That you're swapping and... You hear what I'm trying to say? So it's a theoretical argument only. And then he argues a third point, which is interesting. I don't know if I agree with this either. He goes that, alayhi uh, rahmatullah, he goes that when it comes to the raising of the hands, they are told to do that. Women are told to raise their hands. Obviously, Hanafis aren't, yes? But the Shafi'is and Hanabila, they are females. They are recommended to raise their hands. And Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, you're talking about a woman who's meant to be closing her this, that, whatever, one, and you tell her to raise her hands, and that's far more revealing from a body kind of point of view than you know telling her to. What well, if you are consistent in your argument, you al fuqaha, then you should tell them 
keep yourself closed and don't be raising your hands. But you're telling her, raise your hands. And... So he goes, this doesn't make sense. My argument to that, or my response, if I was on the other side, I'm not. But if I was on the other side, I would say what the Hanafis say. The Hanafis, when they raise their hands, they raise their hands like this. You know, they, or they do like this. It's not like a raising of the hands anyway. So say, the Hanafis will say, okay, then we'll change the raising of our hands. And they did actually. They did. The women yani, raised their hands differently. Right? A lot of men actually when they are not Hanafi or they change and they look at the women, they say, subhanAllah, these lot raise their hands properly. Because you know that you know, Hanafi men, they do this behavior, right? Okay? Which obviously has some basis. I, I want to make it clear. But you never see women do this. You see women do all this behavior. They're like, yes, these women got it spot on. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Never mind. All right. So, yeah, go on. Oh, you think Sheikh Uthameen's point is that uh, 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 that's well, that's a good point, by the way. Well, that maybe, maybe, maybe it's a good point. Salan just said that maybe what Sheikh Uthameen is saying that when she raises her hands, it's a greater chance of the sleeve going down. This is aura, of course, and that's what his intention was. Maybe good point. Zakumullah khair. I didn't think about that because actually he just says that this is akrabu ila takashuf min al mujafa. Actually, what he indicates can be read both ways, but certainly what you said makes more sense. Because he compares it against spreading out. What he should say is covering and uncovering. But he says it's uncovering of the body versus the widening of the arms. So it indicates not what you're saying, but when you think about it, what you said makes more sense. Raising of the hands obviously is going to lead the sleeve to go down. Allah knows best. Anyway, the main point is what Shaykh Uthameen ends with, Ar-Rajih, the more stronger position, is that the prayer of the woman... She does it exactly like the prayer of the man. Okay? And uh, just so that we're absolutely clear, uh, Zaid, just to grab this uh, camera, I'm going to just make it clear what the, next part, what, the, what the next part is, because he then says, and that she puts her feet out to the right-hand side. So if you put it to here, okay? So the, the, the theory would be, maybe you do it from the, 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 the front, actually. Okay? The, the, the theory would be is that as the female body and her physiology... Right, the general idea is everything is closed. Obviously, her chest, obviously every single part. So when she's praying, she's keeping, she's not yani relaxing with her arms. She's not spreading the, the legs out yani wider. She's keeping legs closer together. This is all four schools. I want you to know that if you see, and the reason I'm going to demonstrate this and explain this and explain this reasoning, and also I want you to notice something. Sheikh Uthameen is laughing a bit, exclaim, exclamation mark, shocked a bit as well. And, but he's always respectful. He's not said what nonsense. In the end, he goes, warajih. He didn't say the correct position. He's saying the stronger, the more better position to go by is that there is no difference. All right? So even he recognizes that even though it's absolutely clear what the correct position is, on the other side are all four schools of fiqh. All four of the major imams. All of the fuqaha. And by the way, I bring this closer because they might not be able to hear. That's the microphone which is picking up. An important point which I forgot to say. We do have differences between men and women in prayer. What are they folks? Come on, let's quickly go through them. What are the differences? Dress codes, right? A man and he does not have to cover hardly any of his body. Actually, in my opinion, only between navel and knee. 
Majority of scholars want one shoulder covered. Bukhari has a number, of, a, a, a big discussion in this. Two shoulders to be covered or one shoulder to be covered only. Yani some of the fuqaha, they considered no shoulder to be covered for the man. So literally, yani a long towel, a man can do the prayer in. Whereas a female, absolute minimum, the entire body other than the uh, uh, well, face has to be uncovered. And the feet and the hands, they differed over. But basically, the hands and feet can be uncovered as well. But that's it. Rest of the entire body. So that's the main difference. What other main difference do we have? The what? The imam. We've already spoken about that. Woman can't be leading the prayer. Imam can only be a male. What other differences? Adhan. Adhan is not legislated according to all of the four scholars. Four imams. No adhan for the woman at all. Iqama. Iqama only the Malikis and the Shafi'is. They consider it to be recommended. The Hanafis, they said it is disliked. The Hanbalis said it's not even required for a female. Actually, there's a big discussion of whether uh, 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 there is a, a, a... I don't want to blow your mind at the moment, but they don't even consider the concept of a, some scholars, of fuqaha. They said there's no evidence of a female congregation prayer aslam. Like yani, there's a male congregational prayer, but there's no evidence clear from a, for a female one. And by the way, that argument is not as baseless as you may think. Because the argument for the female congregational prayer comes through some okay type of athar from the female companions. Alright? So the iqama, for example, I believe it is legislated, my own uh, position. It is something which is allowed for the females and something which can be done. Uh, for example, all fuqaha said it can't be done loud because of fitna. Right? And you'll see this concept of fitna, the speaking of a woman in a quiet scenario, especially in a way which is dhikr, especially in a way where it's beautified, it should not be done in front of males. Why is that the case? Because of the other difference between the men and women in prayer. If the imam makes a mistake, and Nabi Wasallam said that if someone says that, then say subhanallah, and for the, and as for the clapping, okay, yeah, and in making a sound against the thigh usually, but if necessary then with the hand as well. This is for the women. So the women make this sound. If they hear a mistake in Qur'an, they've got to correct it, depending upon whether the meaning has changed. It's not obligatory, but that's a different chapter. And that is different to the males. Scholars said, why? Because of the female voice, yani indicating that yani men being you know, useless as they are, yani, you know, they can take anything to be an indication of something else. Right? So we take women out of the picture, keep it to them to only do this sound. So there's another difference. What other differences do we have? Any other differences? No. I think that's it. As far as I'm concerned. Can you think of any other differences between men and women? From a Quran and Sunnah point of view, I can't see any other difference. So therefore, women are allowed to differ in these the things that I've just said. As for what they do, they will only make the, 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 the uh, takbir in this way. They will not yani, uh, 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 let their arms yani, go to the side. Whether they want to do it from there, or whether they want to do it like this, whether they want to do it like this, they will not allow their arms to become loose, which is what is required. Because as the sunnah is, the Prophet ﷺ did not keep his arms to his side and do this. We have all of the ahadith which indicate that the hands were in line with the shoulders, the hands were in line with the ears, never that the, shoulder, the, the elbows were at the side. So when women do this, there's no basis for that, number one. Number two, when she stands and she closes herself yani, tight like this, there's no basis for that. To put her hands on her chest, that's okay. We have hadith which indicate that. It's the weakest of the hadith, if you want to be critical, right? 
And when it comes to, we've covered this in lots of detail, when it comes to the positioning of the hands, all of these three, they don't have very strong evidences. The hadiths which are weakest of all are for below the navel, but they are still acceptable. And those which are above the navel, still acceptable. And that which is upon the chest, the narration of Ibn Khuzayma, yani, it's okay. They're not Bukhari Muslim hadith. Their asanid are not yani, shining examples of, of authenticity. But they're all good. They're all good. And that's why it's a sunnah to put the hands here, not an obligation. Alhamdulillah. So, when it comes to takbir, the lady will also, if she does raise her hands, if she doesn't raise her hands, she's just going to go straight for ruku'ah. But if she does, she's going to do this kind of thing. Again, close and protect. Right? That's what the fuqaha say. We say no. It's got to be like men. Like that. No arms closed. Arms out. No problem. In ruku', the man's going to go down like this. Legs are apart. Uh, arms are apart. And my back is straight. My back is straight. Yeah? The female, what's she going to do? Legs together. Things together. Her back will not be straight. These, my arms are now trying to cover my chest. Isn't it? Yes? Everything is closed. Like this. Yeah, and, and, and variations of that. The point is, is that I'm not going to go straight to expose myself, my chest, expose, yeah, and make it more difficult for my arms to cover my chest. So everything is closed. And this action is aqal, whereas the evidence indicates that the legs should be the same, the knees should be the same, arms should be out, and if the body of the woman is hanging in a way that it does, so be it. No evidence for it not to be. Then when we come back up, the man, as I said, is more loose, woman's going to come back up like this. Yeah? And, I, and then the next part, you've seen various uh, uh, variations. The man's going to go straight down, yes? No problem. Various cultures, they have all kinds of ways of going down. What a musibah this is. Someone will go down and sit down like this. Huh? Then, you know what I'm trying to say? It's all agreed or not? Yes? I'm not making this up, right? You guys have seen this, isn't it? Right? There are variations. Some will go straight down, but the point is, is that they will curl up. So they will not, so, you know, like this. And we know that this is prohibited, to keep this closed. You know, this is the issue of the thighs and the shin. So, you know, the men are required to leave a gap. The gap is between the stomach and the thighs. So that's Yani keeping it like that. Women are going to close it like this. You can, you can get that, right? You get, you get what I'm trying to say about the gap being closed? So, men are out here. Women are going to close it. The gap between the um, calves and the uh, thighs. Yeah, hamstrings. So we're going to keep it open. Open. Yes? Women are going to close that as well. Close that V as well. The hands are to the sides. Women are going to go like this. Sunnah is this. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where all these arguments are coming from. As for the part where he now speaks about the feet, there's some interpretation about what yani, the fuqaha are trying to get. It doesn't matter actually that our Imam, Imam al-Hajjawi, that he has just said that the two feet go out to the right-hand side. They all have different variations for this. So you've got some women, you're going to need to come down from the back here. So you've got some women, for example, actually you, probably, you can probably stay there. So you've got those women who will always sit like this, always, just to keep everything closed. Yeah? And they will never open things up, so they will always stay closed. Right? Whereas, obviously, the man will sit like this, 
or sit like this. And this position, you know, I said before that the asal in salah is that whatever is established in sunnah is established in the fard. And this, of course, is one of the most authentic positions. Uh, hadith Aisha, you all know, in Tahajjud, Nabi Sallallahu was praying Tahajjud. She wakes up, where is he? It's all dark. And she reaches out and she goes that when I, I, I touched, because, you know, there was a very small bedroom. It's not a bedroom at all. It's a very tiny space. So she goes, I, I touched and I saw, I felt both of his feet together. So that's yani, established in the sunnah prayer to be established in the obligatory. So this is how women should sit, no problem. Right? They're saying that she sits like this. Right? Or like this. Or whatever. But basically, she does not allow her body to be in an immodest state, whatever immodest state means. That's it. Is that clear, everybody? You guys are happy with what basically what's going on. So in summary, we can put that back now. In summary, what we're saying is that the fuqaha, they, they're effectively saying that we want to try and protect the woman's modesty in the prayer and however much she can do that by closing herself off and doing all this kind of stuff, then so be it. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah? Clear, everybody? Um... So Sheikh Uthameen says, no, this is not correct. She will sit in her, between sajda like this if she wants. She will sit like this when she wants. She will do tawarruk, yani, as, as the men do, the three forms of tawarruk, which I covered last week. Everything that is done in the sunnah would apply to the man as well. And with that being said, now it is clear that men and women are the same with respect to their prayer. And I will close it there. Um, in actual fact, what Sheikh then says is that he basically uh, finishes off the, 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 the chapter. This is actually a sub-chapter. But um, what I will do now uh, is to take questions all right, on this chapter, in this area. And we'll also, first of all, start with the uh, online. Uh, so let's have a look here. Bushra wants to behave herself about can't hear. Right, let's see. Who's got questions here on, in, uh, in the audience? What's up for all the hate director? She said, I'll give you hate. Yep, come. So, just going back on the uh, female leadership and, and uh, uh, being able to lead the prayer, here there, there's an organization in Muslim. Congress. Okay. Is that here in Canada? Yeah. The famous one? Yeah, I, I thought that was in America. It's not famous, I don't think. But uh, it's closed, so men aren't allowed. Uh, and they leave prayer, but uh, they have Juma Khutbah. So the Khutbah is led by. So the question basically is, is that here in Canada, they have a female-only masjid. And uh, it's closed and men can't get in. Uh, and they also have a, a Jumu'ah Khutbah with a score. So I just want to make it clear that, uh, as I said to you, there are some scholars that do not consider it a valid prayer, congregational prayer of the females, from a legal point of view. That's a minority position. The vast majority accept it. And this is because of the hadith. Of, uh, the other difference in prayer that I was thinking of was the position of the imam. So the imam for a man stands out in front. Whereas the imam... Or the imam for the uh, woman stands in the middle. And this is the, this is the athar. 
it's a, a narration from Aisha radiallahu anha. That's how she led the female companions when she led them. She stood in the middle of the line. All right. So that's just yani, the, the, uh, a difference between men and women, and also the evidence that a woman's congregational prayer is acceptable. Okay, and that's my position. So for me, I have no problem with the woman praying in this masjid. Her normal prayers, and it's great actually, it might give them some kind of whatever. Our problem is not with that, our problem is with the people. You know, as, as we know in this, uh, it's just basically a blag, right? The people behind them, I don't care about the sunnah or giving women a safe space, whatever. They are interested in changing the entire paradigm concerning Islam and women. And um, for that reason, I don't think women should pray there. And I, I think women should make a, a concerted effort to, to uh, uh, boycott them and to make them the minority that they always should be because these are people who don't care about Allah and His Messenger. That's the asal. That's the issue. They are putting other values in front of themselves. If they really, really wanted to do this, they would concentrate and work with the masajid to make spaces like this. Better spaces for women in the normal masajid. Okay? And the proof, of course, is this Jummah Khutbah, which is complete nonsense, completely unacceptable. Haram act for those who organize it. Haram for those who attend it. Invalid the end for their prayer. If they pray that, they are going to be held accountable by Allah, by Allah for not praying dhuhr. It's an act of kufr to intentionally do that, do that knowing that you didn't perform dhuhr because Jummah is not acceptable in this manner. So it's actually a very serious issue. A lot of scholars, they miss the point here. They think it's just a haram act or bid'ah. That's the least of their problems. They didn't pray dhuhr. It's not a valid prayer to pray Jum'ah in this manner. So if you do that intentionally, you're missing a prayer intentionally. It's, it's actually a very serious issue that can be built upon it. We don't say they're all kuffar, but they're on that trajectory. So that's my point on that. All right. Uh, what's the... Da, 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 okay, Mesa, excellent answering that. Blah, blah, blah. Enosh Shiani just answering. That's good. Great, great, great. One child policy. Here we go. Blah, blah, blah. Looks like they did not have any Diet Coke. What are you hating for, Shazad? Ice and lemon. You hate her. Right, right, right. Any other questions from you girls? You guys there? No? This is going to be one of those quick ones? Alhamdulillah. Right. Mayors are typically much more powerful than the UK across Europe and the Americas. I don't know. Is that true? They have more municipal power. And give me an example of a municipal power. Eid parking. I would, I would willingly give that to a woman to sort out. Because we've seen what the bloody men did, Yanni, with parking. Doing the Eid parking. Okay. Female, Muslim, you mean? Oh, right. TK, I'm, I'm supporting the concept. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. That's correct. Widad has answered Sumera, that's very good. And Layaflah, yani that will not be successful, Qawm. And uh, Sumera is asking what are the details. That's actually beyond the remit of this class because it's a huge discussion. There is a very valid discussion about the hadith of in Bukhari about um, and it actually goes deeper. And Sumera, I would I would I would I would signpost you to my lesson that I did in Al Adab al Mufrad, I think season one, that just so that you understand how much this hadith is under attack by the feminists and liberal modernists of our time, that they tried to reinterpret the hadith, right? So they said that people does not mean a political state, it meant a tribe, 
it meant this, it meant that. So they tried all of that, and they, they saw that there was no basis for that, uh, from neither from the language, neither from the scholars. There's a consensus on its meaning. So what did they do next? They went after its narrator, <coughs> Abdullah ibn Amr al-As. Okay? And that's why if you see that there are certain, like the Shia, who are they always after? Abu Huraira. It's very important for them. Abu Huraira is a very important person to take down. You know, like just the concept, yani, if you're gonna, yani, from a point of view, if you want to take a movement down, you take down key people. It's always the leader, right? Tell me you've seen that Jimmy Kimmel video comparing Barack Obama uh, and, uh, and Donald Trump in the capturing of uh, bin La- uh, the killing of Bin Laden. Oh my goodness gracious. If that, I have not seen anything funnier this year, by the way. All right? just, just type in, I don't even know what you type in, but it's just comparison of Barack and Donald Trump killing of Bin Laden and Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr, Baghdadi, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's hilarious. Anyway, obviously, for them, they advertise that because killing the top guy is the, is the, is the, is the killer move, right? So, uh, what am I even talking about? Ah, so, different sects, deviant sects, they know that certain key people taken out is going to lead to serious damage. So Abu Huraira has always been the target of the people of Bid'ah and the Shia. They take Abu Huraira out of the game, they take out key, key hadith, which yani reject them and put them into the wilderness. Likewise, Abdullah ibn Amr al-As, radiallahu anhu, very, of a major companion, but the women, or not women, I mean feminists, for him, for them, this is a disaster, because he is the narrator of this hadith. And this is the only hadith narrated about this subject. Take him out, you take the hadith out. Take this hadith out, you've given women complete political freedom if that's what they are after. You get the point? And so they make their living effort to make out Abdullah ibn Amr to be womanizer or to be a radiallahu anhu arda. One of the major companions. They consider his testimony to be rejected. And they will take stories and confuse you. They will say that he had an argument with Mughira ibn Shu'aba. Are you kidding me? We used to have arguments between bigger companions than that. Aisha and the Prophet used to kick off and you're worried about yani, Mughira and Abdullah bin Amr al-As. So, yani, you know, uh, they will try anything. So I want you to just to be aware that there is, a, a, I mean, obviously asking in students of knowledge circles, we need to ask the questions. But I, I want you also to be aware as a student of knowledge what the deeper issue is here. That there is a movement out there of people who want to seek another uh, intention. Uh, anyway, Allahu A'lam. Uh, right. Oh, sugar, all the connection went. Never mind. Right, anybody, any other questions? Right. Can a woman make sajda on her own hijab? Can a woman make sajda upon her own hijab? The answer to this is that yes, if there is a need. So if she feels that the place there is dirty, she thinks that there is some kind of yeah, any problem there or some sort, then that's okay. But Sayyid Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I want you to know that he did actually discourage too much fiddling in the prayer. Okay? And I'm, when I say fiddling, I don't mean specifically for women, I mean for both. And, but when I say fiddling, I don't just mean upon the self, but I mean even in the area. So I don't know when you go back to Pehinda or the Gaul, you know, when you pray, people are obviously given a reality check because it's not, you know, mashallah, soft carpet that you're clean, used to village, basically. I'm saying, Salange. Salange is like... Go and be in, I'm in the village. So, it's like sandy, isn't it? So you find them, people, when they go down for sajda, they're like, and they're doing a full clean-up and hoover, and then they go for sajda. 
right? Literally, they take minutes. It's crazy. And we have a Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Hajj. And uh, yeah, even as Dr. Idris just said. <laughs> That's a madness, yani. It's uh, like, where's your khushu' gone? Yet, a Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam allowed one wipe. The hadith indicates that one wipe is allowed. Meaning it's, so if a person saw that there is, is very hot. Wallahi, yani, we had uh, uh, Umrah in, um, uh, I think it was April. Yes. Yeah. April. This April we went Umrah. And uh, you know Medina Airport, you know everything's changed, right? Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the process for getting into the country is a lot quicker than ever before, right? And the group that was going, you know, I'm always in contact with my group before we go. So I said, listen, this plane lands at 11 o'clock on Friday, after, Friday morning, Medina Airport. I said, we will pray Zuhr, yani when we get to the hotel at 2 o'clock. Taqriban. 11 o'clock, we land. We'll, Taqriban, 2 o'clock, we'll pray Zuhr in our hotel rooms. And then we'll meet in the lobby, we'll go to Asr together. We were in our hotel at 11.35. By the time yani, the, the Adhan had gone for, or 11.50, whatever, the Adhan had gone for the Jum'ah. And a big fitna now in front of me. All these people there now, in the lobby. Yani, no, 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 they're all saying, we're going Jum'ah. And I'm saying... I don't know what to say now because the streets are packed, the bags are all over the place, they need to be taken to their rooms, this, that, whatever. Then they're, they're, they're all thinking, Juma Medina. So I'm thinking, I'm going to get lynched there, you know what I mean? So I thought, I don't know what, what's going to happen. So we made, a, and obviously people got off the plane, tired, sleeping, they need to make wudu, this, that, whatever. So we made the executive decision to akala Allah, we asked the bell, bellboy, there's a hundred people takriban, look after the uh, bags, we're going to go for it. By the time that most of us had quickly made wudu here and there, whatever, whatnot, the khutbah had started and khutbah was finishing. So it was completely rammed and the only place that we could go to, you know, you, you know that if you know then the white marble that you see is a, is a special marble and it's cooled and it's got current underneath it, AC, blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't get hot. Magadir was all taken. So we stood on the normal marble. It's okay because they all looked at me. I said, you keep your shoes on, don't worry. I know it's hot, so you can keep your shoes on. So we kept our shoes on. So we went Allah Akbar, we went into Ruku'a. We came back up like that. You know, because we're not concentrating. We are, yani, bagal we are. We went into sajda, and I'm not exaggerating that my skin burnt and stuck on the floor. It was, I don't know what, what temperature you want to say. But everyone went down, and this is the, <laughs> I'm saying this in public, yani, but this is the truth. I came up from sajda before the imam did. It was impossible. Wallahi is impossible. I took, I, my head was there. I took my hands off, then I took, you know, my head was stuck, took my head off, and I was hovering. I was like in a pseudo sajda, like this. Then the Imam said, Allahu Akbar. And then we went back down again. I thought that, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you know that when something burns you, if you touch it a second time, it's not so hot. So I said, Taka Allah, inshallah, it'll be okay. Like an idiot, yeah? So I went like this. Burn myself, silly, burn, burn. And I had no hijab to help me, no imamah to help me. 
nothing. I tried, you know, my sleeve, I tried to do this. I did. It wouldn't work. Anyway, so I remember this. So it is actually important, not just for dirt reasons, but because of heat or because of X or Y. It is permissible to bring your hijab, and, but not, you need to rearrange the whole thing. And, because as I said, the hadith indicates one wipe to get stones out of the way, but not a full operation where you start getting this, do that, yeah, well, you know what I'm trying to say? It's got to be a neat, smooth, one movement, plan it. So when I go down, I'm going to... Yeah? Yes. Uh, it's lunch. So what Solange is basically saying is that other than for a need, it's starting to become an unfortunate habit where people are putting things down or, or, or putting the hijab always like a musalla when they're outside. Um, and is that yani, a good reason? I want to say to you that there's a wider point here, which is what you're tapping into. It's not just the fact that am I so special, is my head yani, so whatever, that you know the prohibition of a number of things is down to the mentality that it can cause when a person is too careful. So for example, we know the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the rolling up of the sleeves in the prayer. This is, this is impermissible. Especially like this stove here that I'm wearing. And the reason is, is because whatever happens, this is going to touch the floor. Alright, when I go for sajda. Yep. And if the floor is dirty, my head I can clean, but this is going to get dirt. I'm going to have to wash it yani, quicker than I wanted to because the rest of it is clean. It will get dirty there. Agreed? Yep. People used to do this with their hair. So just before the salah, they were, their hair would be loose. And then they would then tie it up. I'm talking about male, obviously. They would tie it up so that it doesn't then make sajda. Likewise, they would tie up their trousers and roll it up so that it's loose kind of material doesn't... whatever. All of this is prohibited. The only time it's allowed to have your sleeves rolled up is when? When? What does that mean? Wudu. What does that mean? You're not making wudu, you're praying. Huh? Sorry? No. No, no. When is it allowed to pray with the, with the uh, uh, sleeves up? I've said it's not allowed to roll the sleeves up. You just heard me say that, yes? Now I'm asking you, when is it allowed to pray with the sleeves up? When is what? No. <laughs> although, I, although I like that. I mean business you... <laughs> <laughs> Times of war Baji's up for it Lala so, the, the answer is When you've already Rolled your sleeves up So if you rolled up your sleeves For wudu That's why I wanted you to continue the discussion If you made your wudu Because of that And didn't then roll your sleeves back down And you keeping them up there You notice that in salah they're like this Isn't it In salah this is wrong. Unless you rolled them up to prevent them getting dirty. Yeah? But if you had rolled them up because you didn't want to get them wet and it's because you know, you're doing slow and you carry on praying like this, this is fine. I mean, I get it why they because they seen the prohibition of the rolled up seeds. They didn't realize why the prohibition was there. And Nabi Wasallam said, everything must prostrate. The hair should prostrate. The clothes must prostrate. 
Everything needs to prostrate, tying it up and preventing. And so therefore, yes, too much OCD, too much yeah, and you focus on clothes, this is not good. There's a just, if it's dirty, it's allowed for you to put something down, yeah? However, doing it all the time, like you're saying, your sisters are always, whenever they are outside, putting it down. No, no, come on, man, that's wrong, yeah. What's, what's, what's wrong with it? Lovely carpet, I love this. Why are you putting it down for this carpet for? Are you kidding me, bro? What's wrong with this carpet? But why? Though? Why? But I'm trying to understand why. Why this carpet? Shouldn't we be wanting? Ah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I mean, what's the mentality? Yeah, that's that's madness, man. Yeah, it's what's worse. It's what's worse. Well done, uh, Mesa. By the way, Mesa got the answer absolutely spot on. Uh, okay, any other questions? Oh, istikhara, should the dua of istikhara be prayed after the taslim or before? In my opinion, it should be done after. Do the followers behind an imam have to say takbiratul intiqal and the salam? The answer is yes. If you are praying in a jama'ah, you have to do that. Um, should, we are redesigning our masjid. Should we take down the wall between the men and women prayer hall? The difference between the men and the women in the masjid uh, or different entrances for each gender is better, but one hall? In my opinion, yes. I believe that uh, that's what that should happen. But I also believe that many women, like here's the irony: people think that, or men think that this is what women want. Mansplaining the issue. Actually, many women prefer that privacy. Many women want to see the imam as well. So, I don't think that that decision should be made just by men. I think that um, the Sunnah did not uh, insist on a uh, a barrier, and even though that, of course, is the position of many of the fuqaha, but there's no evidence for it. Okay, from a Quran and Sunnah point of view. In actual fact, the evidence is against it. And Nabi Sallallahu said that the worst of the rows of the women are the first because they're so close to the men. So in actual fact, there should be a difference. Uh, should be a distance, sorry. Right? Not a barrier. There should be a distance. But I also believe in the modern day kind of uh, uh, construct of the masjid. I think that uh, uh, it should be like, uh, you know, like half barrier. So the women who want to maintain yeah, some privacy can pray behind the barrier. Uh, is that what happens? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't mean half barrier in terms of low height. No, it's not like a separate place. A separate place. No, a separate place. I'm not, I'm not support, I don't support a separate place. They have open and next to someone wants to pray in the room, otherwise it's open. Yeah, that's no good. Because it has to be the Salah Safuf. We need the soft to be continuous. We can't have women praying over there, praying over there. should be one jama'ah. Um, so, you know, somehow it needs to be creative where there could be half a barrier. Women who want to then behind the behind barrier sit like that. Whatever. Anyway, but I do think that there should be no uh, thing. Anyway, uh, out of curiosity, if women are praying in a female only jama'ah and the tilawah is incorrect, does a female follower correct by clapping or can she verbalize it? In my opinion, she verbalizes it. Excellent question. Okay, because the illa is her voice. Um, and uh, that, I think, in jama'ah, Halima is asking. Uh, do Hanafi women pray differently? I noticed that they didn't want to close the gap in between. Also, if you go to a country where the majority follow the Hanafi madhab, do you also change the way you pray at the mosque since you pray differently in the West? So that gap in between the, the Safuf are not, it's not a female only thing, that's a Hanafi madhab thing. But I want you to know, the reason why I mentioned that point of Sheikh Uthameen saying that the stronger opinion is that this is a respected position. Even though it has no evidence, it doesn't mean that it's invalid to act by it. Because we believe that anyone who follows the four Imams is following general Sunnah guidance. It's, it's, it's the hard matters at the end of the day. So you mustn't cause fitna and tell all your women yani, and get yourself killed yani, by trying to change their prayer. Okay? Let them pray as they are. They've been praying like that for generations. Not yani, the last five days or 
five years since you started practicing in ISOC or MSA like you did, okay? They're lifetime people praying. So you've got to take this easy. Um, and uh, no, I don't think that you need to create a scene as well because unity is an obligation and these differences are sunnah uh, issues or, or ikhtilaf issues. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And correcting the prayer in the jama'ah but being led by your mahram, can you correct vocally? I think you can if you are correcting and indicating. Okay? And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Any other points? Yes, Nabil. How you doing, bro? Allahu Akbar. You see, a proper LP student, a proper LP student, in keeping with the I quote, I quote, in keeping with the tradition of the class, I brought some chocolate. What did you lot do? Tell me that. And you just sat there on your chairs and that's it. Just looked there. That's it. Not a single chocolate you couldn't bring. Jazakallah khair, Nabi Allah. Oh, and not just normal chocolate. Not just Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. You see, this is how Canadians do it. Lint. Oh, mashaAllah, tabarakallah. This is, this is sunnah, by the way, of our class. No joke. Okay? Huh? It's also sunnah, by the way, that it gets thrown. And any uh, damages is yani, full disclaimer. You get hurt, you get hurt. Also sunnah of the LP, that each piece is divided into three for the women. Because... The asal is that women and men are the same. Illa idha qama dalil And the dalil is that we've seen the women when they're eating with us. We don't want to eat. We don't want to eat. We don't buy us anything. You sure you don't want me to get you anything? No, 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 no. And then when we come and bring it, they then take from ours. We get gutted. But if you think about it, they don't take a lot. They only take a small part. So based upon this qaida, yeah, a third I think is okay. So, therefore, this one packet, no, one, two, three, nine. So, these three will be enough for all of you. <laughs> yep. And the, uh, the, the oh, who's going to, good guy catching. Let's go, Hajjah, there we go. Oh, what a catch. Budget back. Oh, nearly. And budget in the middle. Oh, never mind. Right. Lala, we're, we're in the, see, they accepted the theory. They accepted the, the Ma'roof clan. What a gangster. You see, Indians are always good at cricket. Ali. Oh, rubbish, Ali. Nabil, there we go. All right. You know, you know what's amazing? That the UK students right now, they are now understanding how the rest of the world feels when we give out all the chocolate. It kills them in Canada. It absolutely murders them. Budget at the back. Mariam at the back. Is that Mariam? It's yeah. annoying. Here. It's annoying. There you go, Salan. Sure, it's the morning, you fish. Right. There's a little, little kid there. There we go. There's one for you, right? There we go. Come on. Is that my little girls over there? Right, there we go. Come on then. Yallah. All right. And that's chocolate all done. And the UK folks now know exactly how it feels. And Jazakumullah uh, khair. Wa subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu ilayk. Wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All right. All right. What happens here? Yallah. How do you do this? There we go. Assalamu alaykum. Alright, yo folks. Alidia, are we chilling till Maghrib, yeah? Alhamdulillah. Oh, it's not a chocolate bar, it's sweets. I was right. But I meant that each sweet is to be divided by three. So just take one bite and pass it on. And don't be worried about, you know, as I said to you, you shouldn't worry too much about the floor. And don't worry about the saliva of your friend. This is your sister in Islam. 
Iya. Hmm. There's a gap here between you and the lady, yeah? No, you shouldn't be. No, you shouldn't be pulling people. You should do what you can. So, for example, uh, come in, Zay. I'm standing here. Did you get a sweet? I'm okay. I'm here like this, yeah? And this auntie's all right. But this auntie here is here. So, we've got this gap here. Yeah? Instead of me pulling this one, I make a judgment call. Can I cover this by going a bit wider? Or should I close it and put my trust in this person here? So I would normally do this, like that, hoping that this one's going to come. Because this one, Yanni, has made it clear that they're not moving. The onus is upon me to close that. So the, the overall uh, overriding policy is to make sure you minimize movement. And in principle, you know, to do kind of touching, whatever, is not, is not permissible. But there are little things that are allowed. So a little kind of indication, little, you know, but to grab someone properly and to, you know, and if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. That's the first principle. The second principle is that a line always closes inwards, not outwards. So even if he doesn't come or she doesn't come, you go in. Okay? And if they don't come with you, then you are free of your obligation. You are not obligated to do this behavior, right? And also it's important to remember that the asal is the shoulders. shoulders a lot of people think it's all feet to feet. Feet is a secondary aspect. The asal is that the shoulders should be touching. And that's a normal scenario in a gap. If it's caused, it's okay as long as the shoulders are always close. Then if you can touch the feet yani, or close the gap between the feet, then that's better. Yeah? Yes, lunch. Wait, wait, just one second. I've got to give Dr. Idris one because I know that you guys don't care about him. But I do, Sheikh. They, won't, they don't care about you at all. They don't care about you, but I looked after it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Solange, was you speaking? Yeah. No, because it's not possible. You can't be doing all the reverse board. No. Just stay where you are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, according to my opinion and the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, knees first. Oh, no, no, this is, this, no, no this, this is for a person who has no issue. Yeah. If you have an issue, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, for those who are able. But anyone of age, knee problems, this, that, hands, no problem. It's not like a No, at all. Yes. Is it, is it uh, to, 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 no, no, no. Someone is praying to Raka Nafal, oh. Istikhara. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Salatul Istikhara after, after, after oh. the dua. Yeah. That was what the question was. Salaam alaikum. How are you? Okay, yeah. Are you here for any courses? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Are you doing any? But I will be speaking just a little a few minutes at uh, Sheikh Yahya's course on Friday. Okay. So I'll be there for a few minutes. Okay. Now. Actually, I got this um, video. So these are, they look like a sort of Chinese delegation mm -hmm. at Kaaba. Mm -hmm. Is that allowed? What do you mean? What are they doing? They're just sort of viewing. Watching. No, they're Muslims. 
hundred percent. Why would we think they're not Muslims? Just because of their looks? There are so many uh, people who look like this. These are Uzbekis, by the way. They're not Muslim. They're not so Chinese. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent Muslim. Okay, but otherwise. Uh, no, not allowed for Muslims. Yeah, not allowed. Yeah.